Welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast, episode number 12. I'm Dan, and joining me, the usual suspects, Phil and Ron. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, how's it going? A nice late slash early recording of this podcast. It's 11 p.m. for me, and was it 5 a.m. for you, Ron? It is, yeah. It's 5.15 right now. <laughs> Sorry. The, the only person that's got a civilized hour is Phil, and that's because he organized it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny how that works. Oh, it had nothing to do with me at all. I, I was thinking <laughs> of you guys, you know. <laughs> that's all good. Well, that's, that's what makes it fun. You know, 7, 7 a.m. for Rowan, it would have been 1 a.m. for me, so you can't really win. <laughs> that's right. So um, in the last episode, we actually talked a heck of a lot about 5.7, um, and basically we kind of made productions based on um, pull requests that had been merged into the dev branch, and we we did pretty well. Um, no IPs in there, which we talked about, um, failed to ban, and Microsoft TTS. And also, I think we talked about the Linode sensor as well that's in there. Um, now, the cool bit of news, this uh, release cycle, is IKEA actually reached out and went, hey, we're going to break your integration with our home automation system. Here's how you fix it. That was very nice of them. Yeah. As she said, we consider the uh, CO AP interface as our internal interface not developed for third-party use. Therefore, we do not offer any technical support. However, this does not mean we want to hinder your work. That's really great. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because it kind of shows almost how, you know, just attraction of the platform as well. Right. So yeah. uh, To say like, Hey, you know what? We're, we're a large company like Ikea, right. They, they really don't even need to contact anybody and Mm. they can kind of do whatever they want to do. I also think it's a little uh, hat tip to home. I know when uh, Ikea launched, uh, the trad free bulbs home assistant was pretty much onto it straight away with their integration with the trad free bulbs. I think maybe yeah. a week after the IKEA bulbs came out, there was a, uh, a component ready to go in home assistant. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Yeah. So they've actually provided some pretty solid, uh, you know, command examples. Um, and you know, it's really cool. They also said, we'd like to request that the security code that is printed on the gateway is not stored permanently in the application. Sounds fair. Um, yeah, I think that sounds fair. Yeah. So, yeah, wow. Another example of, you know, yeah, exactly, just showing how much clout Home Assistant now has because it's become one of the major players. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully IKEA themselves somewhere are using Home Assistant internally and... <laughs> And realize, wait a second, how does this integration work? <laughs> yeah, sure. Maybe they've got so a nice demo somewhere of like an IKEA bulb or like a whole like little. Sh- I'd like to think there's an IKEA store somewhere that's completely powered by Home Assistant using the IKEA lights. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it would. You know, at least someone who's, you know, in that team is using it at home and has gone, ah, oh, it's going to break. Let's get them to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me if whoever it is that's emailed is actually using it themselves. Which, hey, good for you. I mean, it's it's funny because yeah. they did they did mention, hey, this information's okay to spread online, but please remove my email address. Yeah, <laughs> which is, but they did email it from you know like an official email address, so it must have been kind of vaguely sanctioned. Yeah, but I guess they don't want a million people emailing them support <laughs> requests. Oh, my bulbs don't work. <laughs> exactly. So you can just see that happening. 
Right. Um, what else is in 5.7? There's a timer component, um, which is one of the primary reasons why I switched to App Demon is that doing timed light, motion lights and things like that was just so unbelievably painful with scripts. So being able to have a timer is so good. I haven't looked into it heaps. One of the things that I have with App Demon is I actually create a um, sensor which tells me how long the timer's got left. I don't think this you can actually query it for the um, timer value. Oh, interesting. Okay. So yeah. essentially we have it, but we can't really use it in in your automations just yet. Well, you can. So um, you can. I think you can set a timer and then it will... Um, fire a timer finished event so you'll know when the timer's done. Right. I think you can also reset the timer if you need to. So let's say you've got two motion sensors and um, one goes off and the timer hasn't completed yet. You can actually reset the timer back to its original value to start it counting down again. Yeah. So most of the stuff I use it there and the, you know, the visible countdown is more of a cosmetic thing. So it's not going to stop anyone from actually using it. Right. Um, there is a warning on it, which is with the current implementation, timers don't persist over restarts. Um, after a restart, they'll be idle again to get the, with their initial configuration. But that's the same with my current um, app daemon timer as well. You restart it and the, the sensor's gone because it's you know created by app daemon and all my lights are on <laughs> and they don't turn off until you trigger it and then the timer <laughs> elapses. <again. laughs> so don't do it in the middle of the night is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it it gets to a point. This is a bit of a sidetrack, but it gets to a point where restarting your home assistant is actually quite a destructive process. Absolutely, you sort of need a, a production and a, a staging site <laughs> to test your automation changes first. Exactly. So you're only restarting it when you absolutely have to. And there are lots of persistence modules, but this thing with AppDemon, because the time is kind of stored inside the Python methods, it's a bit harder to save that. Um, yeah. I imagine that the timer that's built in might actually be a bit better if they, you know, so there's a, there's a feature request for the new timer, which is, you know, brand new. So I'm not knocking it in any way, but being able to tell it, you know, here's a sensor name, please set that to the time left that would pretty much solve all my problems. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and another one which we'll just mention quickly is there is a binary sensor, a random binary sensor. So it'll randomly generate, um, you know, true, false. Um, and every time you hit it to ask for its value, it'll generate a new one. So it's a good way to test um, automation rules. No doubt people will, um, no doubt people will, you know, find awesome uses for that, but you know, <laughs> just one of those extra things that's there. And might be really cool for like a Halloween or maybe Christmas lights. You know, if you yeah. want to have like random events happening, you know, uh, light mm. flashing at a random time, that might be a good use for it. Yep. Or, yeah. or, or your internal lights, if you randomly want to turn them on. <laughs> yeah. If you ever need a <laughs> random party mode. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Off away or away from home, you know, every five minutes or, you know, every X minutes it goes, what's the state? And if it's one, turn the lights on. And if it's zero, turn them off. Yeah. Then you might have someone call the cops because I think just someone's flicking the light switch on and off for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you have a kid, that might seem normal. (laughs) Yeah, true. true. 
Isn't that why light switches are generally, you know, at kind of adult chest height so the kids can't reach them? <laughs> that never stopped me as a child, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stayed in an um, apartment um, in our capital city over the weekend and the light switches were all super, super low. Like you'd be feeling for them in the dark and have to go, oh, that's right, I actually have to reach it down. So it was kind of weird. Really? That's bizarre. I, I, I always yeah. thought that was like a standard where you have it at like a certain height, right? Like, Yeah. Well, my um, switches here in our apartment are all waist height. Hmm. I, wow. I've, I've, I can't say I've ever seen that. That's, I, don't know, I don't know why this concept just seems so bizarre to me. <laughs> <laughs> you like in this, this old house, they're all actually at about shoulder height for me. Um, I'm not super tall. But, um, yeah, they're actually reasonably high. Mm. Um, you know, even when the house got rewired, they just stuck the new switches in the same spot. So they're all quite high. Wow, that's... Uh... Which makes sense, I guess, when you're at eye level, the first thing you want to look for is a switch. You don't want to be looking down to find the switch. But then also mm. I can see, you know, having a switch at waist height, you know, you don't have to raise your arm so high to turn the light on. And it's good for little people who want to turn yeah, yeah. the lights off and on. Yeah. It's kind of also good to have them in the same place in every house. So when you're in a strange place, you don't have to fumble her up for a light switch. Now, now that would be convenient. While we're at it, while we're, we just change every light, uh, every socket in the world to be the same plug. So we don't need those travel adapters. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so to be fair, this is a home automation podcast. So we shouldn't even be talking about light switches because, you know, they yeah, should you're all right. Be. You're right. Uh, that is true. This is, this is why we have motion, why we have presence. Exactly. <laughs> we did an entire, entire, entire episode on that. <laughs> we did. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so looking forward, um, 0 0.58. Um, I could only find one, which was actually a breaking change, which is that it's adding a board rate option to the serial sensor. Because um, someone's gone, well, it doesn't define the board rate. And it's kind of important. Yeah. So that got merged through. And I agree, it is rather important because, you know, 9600 only goes so far. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So good to see that in there. But it, I, it is a breaking change, I believe, that you actually have to define it um, in any of your serial sensors. Otherwise, it's going to be a bit unhappy. Yeah. And which... last week we, um, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to move on to the next one. So go for it. Um, so last week we talked about the uh, translations in Home Assistant mm. and uh, Localize came out and said, hey, we're going to support you guys. Here's a free account. Let everyone just help translate your app through us. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, that. Yeah, that's it's awesome. I think a few tools were trialed, but localized sound like the best one. And you know, free can't complain. <laughs> hey, good, um, good advertising for localized as well. And it looks like a really good platform to make it super easy for translations, which is what we want because we, you know, a lot of the people that can speak multiple languages might not be, you know, part of the technical people. So you want to? They don't have to know code to help translate. Yeah, it's just here's yeah. a word. Please give it. Please give us that word in your language. That's awesome. It's a, that's a great way to help out too. To your point. Mm. Well, the yeah, the more translations we get, the you know further reaching this project's going to be. Yeah, and 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 I mean, it sounds like it's that's uh, 
that the whole translation project in home assistance taken off as well. So um, thank you for everybody else. Uh, everybody's for helping. I mean, that's fantastic. It's really cool to see uh, all the, because uh, Home Assistant uh, retweeted a lot of people tweeting about Home Assistant. And now you can see like a lot of uh, different languages being retweeted from Home Assistant as well. You know, yeah. like there's people in Germany, like um, tweeting about Home Assistant and wherever else. And it's just cool. Like you say, oh, I don't know what that says, but Home Assistant thinks it's cool. So it must be cool. <laughs> exactly. I- I'm also going to retweet this. Uh, hoping it's with uh, good intentions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, TweetDeck does actually have a, you know, translate this button. So I'm hoping that whoever's <laughs> running the Twitter account is actually translating them first. <laughs> it, could be, it could be embarrassing. That's right. Yeah. Now someone just needs to translate it into Klingon, please. I'd like to see a pirate version. Maybe I'll come up with <laughs> that, that. That would be cool. That International would be Pirate cool. Day. And then yeah. you can just have set an automation to set language on Pirate Day for you. Bam. There you go. <laughs> guest, guest goes into the interface, go, uh, I think your thing is broken. How do I turn the light on? Oh, I just push YAR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, right. So, Octoberfest is over. Um, I think much to the relief of quite a few people involved with the project. Um, the comment made on the um, post was, it's a miracle that everyone's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the stats were pretty uh, pretty high too, right? It looks like uh, from the documentation, it's 295 out of 310 made it through. Yeah, that's really cool. That's fantastic. That's a really high percentage. <laughs> Yeah, not to mention the main repo, 273 were merged out of 307 that were submitted. Yeah. So So there was more updates to the docs just than the actual functions, which is good because a lot of people, uh, I know one of the pet peeves a lot of people have with Home Assistant is the docs not being Mm. up to scratch. So it's good to see those getting updated. Yeah. Yeah, and there are even 57 pull requests merged into front end as well. Very cool. Yeah. So... You know, apparently that was a very quick fire. Here's what's happened in, since the last episode. Um, so that's that bit. <laughs> bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. So we've got a couple of items now. Um, One is that Logitech have announced uh, yesterday, today, actually, that they're going to break one of their Harmony hubs that people have paid good money for. Um, so it's yes. the Harmony Link hub. They are shutting down all the services and they've said 
Um, on March 16th, 2018, Logitech will discontinue service and support for Harmony Link. Your Harmony Link will no longer function after this date. So I remember they uh, did this with uh, Squeezebox. Um, they just said, that's it, we're not making this anymore, but they ended up open sourcing the Squeezebox platform. Mm. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's where that comes from. But with this hub, there's no support. So I think um, if you buy, because the Link Hub is still on sale today. So if you buy it today or have it's within the warranty period, you can get a free upgrade to the um, Harmony Hub, which is the version you'll have with your Elite remotes. That's for free. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're outside the warranty period, you can upgrade to the Harmony Hub for a 30% discount. That's, I believe, Logitech's offering there. It's right. I, I'm not sure I really blame them hugely because the the Link Hub um, was released in 2011. So it's been around for a long time. Yeah. So, so there, there's two sides to this coin, right? Which is, hey, it's been around for a while. They got a sunset at some point. They can't keep it up forever. Mm. Um, but the other side of the coin is, well, now we're breaking it, which means a lot of people that spent you know, good money on it, right? Uh, it's not super cheap, but it's not super, like, it's not super expensive, but it's not super cheap either. So... Yeah, like if you've paid for a product, you expect it to, you know, keep it, especially because there's no reason for it to stop working that right. you know of. Exactly. If, if, if the product fails on its own, that's different versus uh, a company is choosing to not, uh, to not support it anymore, right? And I think one of the reasons they came out with was there's a certificate or something that's going to expire on that date. That's why the date is very specific. And Logitech yeah. is just not going to renew that certificate. Hmm. Yeah, and yeah, don't read the comments. I'm looking at the uh Yeah, no. Um, we're looking at a Verge article and there's a um Logitech community forum and it's like class action lawsuit and I'm never buying Logitech again and Yeah, uh, but but again and, and, and on on the to my first point it's and, and to your point, Dan, it's more of well, at some point they've <laughs> they've got to pull the plug, right? And and I think this is almost a dilemma that cloud based services have now which is, well, cool, we can't really stop without having a backlash. So, yeah, I think, I, I hope that, you know, people will get used to it because it's just not possible for them to support everything. And if you want new products, then it's just something you have to live with. There's only so many products a company can support. And if you want the latest and greatest, and if you want them to keep innovating, you have to say goodbye to the old stuff and accept that, you know, you pay two hundred dollars for something in twenty eleven, and six years later, it's you know has practically no value, and then they you know phase it out, and then it has no value. Yeah, but you know, two hundred bucks over six years is it's not a bad investment. No, I, I think the bigger problem comes with that people that bought it maybe not last year, but just after that twelve month period, right? Where yeah, you yeah they exactly. thirty off rather than a, a new free. Uh, new version for the people that for the people that end up getting a new free version. Hey, awesome! Yeah, that's true. I guess you know the people that um, you know, bought it twelve months and one day ago from today are not going to be happy. Right. There's and, also uh, that thing like where they have to you know they've got a, a cloud based service, and I think a lot of companies are realizing that they're they're trying to uh, offset the cloud 
costs by just pushing out all these new devices. But then when no one's buying any new devices, there's still that cloud cost. And that's mm. where we get into the realm of like, why do I have to pay a subscription for a cloud fee and all that? It gets a bit, you know, maybe this is why I think, you know, removing as much as you can from the cloud and keeping it local as Home Assistant obviously wants to promote is, you know, this is a reason why you avoid cloud at all costs. Yeah, but then at, at the moment, cloud is convenient. Yeah. Um, and I, I spend a lot of time pushing people to the cloud at work uh, because it just makes sense for, you know, enterprises, uh, you know, get Microsoft to run their software for you and it tends to run a lot better. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, for things like home automation, I can see the, the reason for keeping it at home, especially when things like this happen. Yeah, exactly. And and, and again, companies and stuff have different budgets too, right? Mm. Typically a company would have more money to spend on something than, than an individual. But but again, yeah. it, it, there, there are a lot of plus sides with, with cloud. It's, you know what? I now no longer need to manage uh, versions of code and and stuff like that. Maybe depending on the service, maybe you might, but for the most part, you don't. Um, or or an update is just a click, and then you know pushes down an update and says, "Okay, I'm ready." Mm. So it's convenience like that versus the more or less you can call it a ticking time bomb, right? Which is, yeah. and 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 Phil, you I think you hit the nail on the head there, which is. Well, these guys got to pay for it <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. cloud uh, costs well, money. Yeah, and and Logitech is a for-profit company. We keep forgetting that too, right? Yeah, I think I'm possibly less sympathetic because there's no way I would keep something for six years. <laughs> <laughs> my, te- my technology in my house does not last that long. Yeah. Well, uh, so you, you say that, but then look, I've got a couple of Sonos Play One speakers and they're like 10 years old and they can play Apple Music. They can play all the, like Spotify. Mm-hmm. The, like Sonos are really good with, like they actually plan like a 10-year cycle for their devices and they keep them updated. Yeah, you know, like my, my Sonos speakers now work with Alexa. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess it just depends on the company and how much they're they're willing to, to back the product for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's, you know, like the Sonos speakers, you get all the new features, but, you know, the stuff that you won't have in the link hub that you get in with the, you know, the elite remotes and the, the Harmony hub. So, yes, I'm, what I mean is like, I'm always all, oh, new toys, because um, the Play <laughs> 1 is the Play 1. There's no, there's no, well, there's a new Play 1-ish now that has voice built in, but the Play 1 is still the same Play 1 that you would have bought 10 years ago. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So I guess, yeah, if a product gets superseded by the manufacturer, I'm probably going to buy the new one. Which I think a lot of comments were, I think there's um, in the, uh, in Europe, they're actually trying to crack down on companies doing this like planned uh, obsolescence for technology. So it'll be interesting to see how Logitech's going to handle this one. Yeah, that's where people are saying class action lawsuit because there have actually been a couple of successful ones lately. Yeah, well, been. Yeah. Live check my fandoms themselves in a little bit of hot water. <laughs> mm. Sounds like a sounds like a PR nightmare too. I'm sure I'm sure they expected it when they uh when they decided to announce this. So Yeah, surely they would have, but again, yeah, they're a for profit company and it's just the way it is. <laughs> I am yeah. I have quite strong limits to my um sympathy for this particular situation. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. But um, like, like yeah. I said, the, both sides of the argument are valid. Hmm. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear from our listeners as well. Um, feedback at haspodcast.io. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm stupid. Tell me whatever you want. <laughs> um, interested to hear and we will uh, we'll read the appropriate ones on the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's uh, let's let's try and keep a PG thirteen. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> keep our uh, clean tag. That'd be <laughs> nice. Um, so the final topic is remote access. Someone asked in the podcast channel um, if we could talk about you know keeping it secure. Um, I don't have Discord up. I'm sorry, so I don't know who it was. Um, but they were saying that they were an IT person, so you know the pretty capable of making it secure but there's a lot of people as we've mentioned already in this podcast that may not be quite so technologically advanced so doing port forwards and setting up HTTPS and making sure your things are secure is is not super easy yeah that's um, smadger you're talking about too on the discord channel what was that that's smadger who uh asked that on the discord uh, channel gotcha excellent um so one of the things that's actually coming um, at some point is uh, Cloud Connect, um, which Palos is working on, which will be a re- kind of a reverse port forward. So you go to a service and go, I want this domain. And then you tell your home assistant to talk to the server and then um, it'll send traffic back along that connection, basically, um, right. so that you can you know, access your home assistant without setting up port forwards and all that kind of scary stuff. So that's really cool. It's similar to what um, Synology use for their uh, remote access for their network storage servers. Yeah, and even got one of those servers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do that as well. I um, I actually jumped into the devs channel the other day, so I went, "Oh, I hope someone's working on this." And asked about it, and they went, "Yep, Polis is working on it." So I was like, "Excellent!" I um, actually cool. found the branch that he's working on it, in, and it's looking pretty good. Um, nice. So when that comes along, that'll be the way to do it. To be very few reasons not to do it that way. Um, as long as it's secure, we all know that things like Hue aren't particularly secure. But I know that Palos is going to do a much better job than Phillips. <laughs> um, so if you do want to do it, the, I guess the hard way, which is the only way at the moment, a um, few things to consider. You definitely want to set up encryption. And if you're running HASIO, that's nice and easy. I'm pretty sure there's a Let's Encrypt plugin for HASIO. Am I right? Yep. Yeah, there, there is. is. Yep. So that that's obviously the easiest way to do it. But there's there's some pretty good guides out there for doing Let's Encrypt with you know on the Pi or in Docker or wherever you happen to be running it. That is one of the important things because having a password on your Home Assistant installation is all well and good, but if you're sending that password unencrypted over the internet, eh, not such a good idea. But, yeah. You know, realistically, the chances that someone's going to sniff that traffic and get your password is super, super low. But for the effort that it takes to set up encrypted access, it's not worth the risk. Exactly. Well, the problem is there is still a chance, right? <laughs> Even if yeah, it's one in a million, no. that one. Yeah. It's just when you're on that free hotel Wi-Fi, that's when you're at most risk. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because kind of the state of you hear all these hacks or these, you know, like, like, hey, this corporation just lost, you know, whatever out to the public, right? And and at a time like this, you would think security security comes a lot easier, but it's unfortunately not yet, right? 
Um, but, but hopefully the, the cloud connect, uh, piece changes that. So, yeah, um, you're, you're right. That's, yeah, th- as things get more complicated, they get harder to secure, not just home assistant, but everything. And yeah, so many people, companies are losing data at the moment because, you know, their systems are so complex. It's just so hard to keep it all secure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess the best kind of suggestion for remote access to your home assistant at the moment is don't unless you really, really want to. Yeah. And then probably find if you don't know how to set up port forwards and um, firewalls and HTTPS and things like that, find someone to do it for you. Um, you could potentially, you know, open your entire house to the internet um, unsecured and unpass do the wrong thing. You don't want to do that. You'll uh, find that your lights start turning on and off and, <laughs> and, and it will happen because people will find it and go, oh, this will be fun. Yeah, exactly. Who who was I, th- I think uh, this is me getting off topic, but I think it was uh, I think it was Ben at Bra Automation who uh, did a publicly open hey change the lights uh, change the colors of my Christmas lights. So, yeah, that was last did. year. He did that. Yeah, so, many it, thousands of people hit that. It was yeah. yeah. Ex- except uh, you don't want that to happen to your actual lights or or anything else in your house. Oh, uh, exactly. Yeah, I've done that too. I just, uh, just set up a camera and pointed at a light bulb and. Hundreds of people are like, hey, this is fun. <laughs> like small things. Yeah, I, I'm actually curious. Does does uh, and and I haven't seen it in a, in a while. But does Hasio have the uh, have like an open VPN module or something like that? I don't, mm, I don't think it does. I know it has um, like a duct DNS component, so you can manage your DNS for you, and definitely the let's encrypt. But I don't know if it has a, an open VPN module yet. Because that might, that might be interesting, right? Um, like just just to have a okay, you know what? I, everything was closed off until I specifically come in and tunnel in, kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. which which is a valid uh, valid security uh, method, right? To, to try and keep mm. it a little more secure than than you know just having your home assistant out on the internet with your password down there. Yeah, absolutely. Does OpenVPN run inside Docker? Uh, honestly, I haven't looked at the project in a while. Easy way to find yeah. out. Google yeah, that. I think there might be. I know I use uh, a VPN to establish a VPN connection outside, so there's got to be one that would let you come inside through Docker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, you know, cause Docker does its networking in weird and wonderful ways, so I've never actually looked into it. Yeah, I, 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 I do see that there are projects that do it. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily... Uh, official, but it's it's there. It exists. So remember yeah. the days of uh, OpenVZ and the um, problems that you can have with running <laughs> exactly um, running OpenVPN. It looks like you have to give it net admin um, permissions, which is yeah, kind of defeats the point of Docker a little bit from a security perspective. But if you're running HassIO, it probably doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, so I mean, again, that's that is a valid method right and and yeah i i haven't looked at open uh, open vpn in years personally but i even even a few years ago when i looked at it it was it wasn't a difficult setup there should be there should be enough uh enough documentation out there and and a lot of uh, a lot of distributions of uh custom firmware and such for routers also have open vpn built in mm. and 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 if that's the case i mean awesome use that right um absolutely 
there's uh, a there's OpenVPN access server as well, which is the commercial version. I think it's free for a couple of connections. Yeah, and that's really really easy to set up. Yeah, exactly. Which it's essentially just a proxy that says, okay, well, are you? Do you have a login? Yep. Okay. Cool. Now, where where are you trying to go? Right. And then let me let me show that for you. But mm. yeah, and, and then I mean, I I I personally do it a lot more complicated way, having certificates and so on and so forth. So only devices that are authorized can uh, can hit that uh, hit my installation. But that's that's also not the easiest to manage, and and again, it, it's tedious. You do work for a networking vendor, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but but but. But despite that, it's that with that hat on, it's me going, "Hey, VPN is easy enough, right?" Um, mm. So, and and I'm sure they have. I I don't know, but I'm sure there's a there's an open VPN mobile app or. Uh, oh, actually, it's it's IPsec based. I think so. It should be just straight. You should be able to use your phone's native uh, VPN functions. Yeah, it depends how you set it up, but I'm pretty sure there's an open VPN client for all the various mobile operating systems as well yeah so yeah um yeah unfortunately we're we're not being very helpful with this with the, if you don't know how to do it you probably shouldn't um not at this stage anyway um yeah keep keep, keep it internal <laughs> unless you have an absolute need for it i don't think it's necessary to open it up to the world just yet yeah yeah especially with the uh, uh, it's yeah, it's cloud connect or cloud something. I don't know exactly. Um, it was off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, um, maybe we should poke Paulus and ask him actually when that is going to be out. I can actually have a look and see what the branch is called. Uh, cloud connection. I was close. <laughs> oh, okay. But he's actively committing to it. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Might be a nice Christmas present for everyone. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> and there you have it. You have a commitment on behalf of Paul. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, no, you're right. Again, there's. Uh, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rush it. I'd rather it be done properly. And uh, yes, but please. but <laughs> that that would be that's that is a really cool idea. Um, mm. I'm, I'm I'm a huge advocate of of uh, stuff like that. So. Yeah, I can be sure that way that it's secure because it's been managed by people who know what they're doing, know the product inside out as well. That's the, I guess that's the important bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up if you guys don't have anything else to add. Perfect. I'm good. I'm good. Keep it short and sweet. Um, thanks to everyone for your kind words this week. We've had a, a few people drop into the Discord channel just to say that they enjoyed the podcast. So keep it up it definitely helps us be motivated to get up or stay up <laughs> to actually record <laughs> podcasts. um yeah working on open source projects can be a thankless job sometimes so you know if someone puts in a pull request that helps you out find them on discord or comment on the pull request and say thanks because it actually does make a difference yeah for sure thanks guys once again and we'll be back in a couple of weeks cheers guys Cheers, take care.